day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Well, welcome back. Hour number two on a Monday on Raider Nation Radio. JT, back from a nice trip to Arizona for the last three days. I took my son to Tempe, Arizona to see ASU, and we were around uh, town for a couple days. Had a great time. Absolute great time. Good to be out there and come back. I did not hear, did not know J.J. Watt was going to be an Arizona Cardinal. That's the breaking news today. Russell Baxter will join us, the football guru, one of the premier NFL content providers anywhere. He's going to join us in five minutes. Also, the voice of the Dodgers, Tim Neverett, longtime friend here in Vegas. I go back to Sports Fan Radio Network with Tim in the mid-90s. So looking forward to talking to Tim as the Dodgers are underway, and we'll get an opportunity to talk to him. And then Mark Anderson from the Review Journal will join us at 140. Mark's fantastic. We cover everything with Mark in Vegas. And I want to begin this hour by saying that I'm very optimistic about the month of March. A lot's happened in my life since March of last year. When I was working probably more than I've ever worked in my career from March 1st of last year to March 1st of this year. It all just came spiraling down. The Raiders, two TV shows, the podcast, and two radio shows. And it hit during COVID. And I never experienced anything like it. And this is my 25th year in radio coming up here on Memorial Day. And I live out of a calendar. And I look back from month to month, year to year. I like to journal. I like to write things down so I could take a look back at what happened the year before. And now we're in March. And last March 12th is that date where it started for me, when I was driving to T-Mobile for the Pac-12 college basketball tournament. And I had to turn around and come home. And everything changed. I knew I had to do great radio with the help of a whole bunch of people. And we were going to have to talk sports without sports. And we're coming up on pretty much the year anniversary. I think it made me better as a radio host and as a father and a husband and a content provider. Because I can't imagine it being any bit more difficult and bizarre than it was the last 12 months. So I'm very optimistic that fans are going to get back to games. We're going to get back to some normalcy especially here in Vegas. And we got some big newsmakers joining us this week on that topic, on what's going to happen in Vegas and what's going to happen around the country. All right, Russell Baxter joins us again. I think he's one of the best football content providers in a long, long time, frequent guest on the show. And, Russell, thanks for joining us. When I reached out to you over the weekend, I didn't see this J.J. Watt deal coming to Arizona. Break it down for me. Were you surprised by this move? Um. Surprised, but not, but not shocked. Uh, and, you know, you do the, um, as I referred to a JT, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon uh, when it comes to NFL free agency. Uh, you'll remember a couple weeks ago there were reports of J.J. Uh, Watt and maybe talking to DeAndre Hopkins, and there's no doubt that that probably had a little bit of an influence here. And now he joins a defense that could be very, very scary in terms of getting after the quarterback. Remember, they have Chandler Jones, who – Last year, I think when we played five games, the year before he had 19 sacks. He lost out in the sack title by half a sack to Shaquille Barrett. Um, they have some questions in the secondary in terms of free agency. They're going to get Patrick Peterson back. Uh, Hassan Reddick, 
who was a, a former first-round draft choice, a big disappointment the first three years in the league. They didn't even pick up his option for this year. He turns around, has a monster year um, last year. Uh, and they actually had, I think, more sacks last year without Chandler Jones than they did with him overall as a team and so on. Now you had J.J. Watt, who also brings some consistency in terms of the run. I know a lot of people uh, question his durability. He's had some injury problems the last few years, but he started all 16 games this past season. And, you know, this Cardinal team has now gone from three wins to five wins to eight wins and um, could be very much a factor. And remember, you know, in, in the playoffs now, the, the NFC, people will talk about how tough the NFC West is and understood. But every team in the NFC West can get in the playoffs, okay? Mm -hmm. We're now seven teams per conference. Uh, at times last year, you'll remember before the 49ers really hit the skids, you know, we were thinking maybe we would get four teams from the NFC West in the playoffs, JT. I agree with you. And there's one other player I wanted to add. My favorite player in the draft last year was Isaiah Simmons, the mm -hmm. linebacker out of Clemson. I thought he was yep. the best hybrid, and he was a freak. And I don't recall him a lot last year. I know he had a couple of big games, but did he just have a typical year for a rookie where he's trying to get his body to grow into the NFL? Because that's a player that I love who can rush the passer, drop back in coverage, and he's someone now that's going to learn in the locker room. He's going to learn from an NFL man of the year in J.J. Watt. I think that's going to be tremendous for Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, I mean, I, early on, it, it seemed like he was kind of feeling his way around. Sometimes when you can do a lot of good things, uh, a lot of things well, um, finding the right home for you sometimes can be a little difficult and so on. But he seemed like he played better as the season wore on. He wasn't, you know, he didn't necessarily start a ton of games. Um, but uh, I, I think the potential is certainly there. And he was a guy a lot of people coveted. Uh, in terms of that fact that he can rush the pass or he can drop back in coverage, he can, you know, he can be found all over the field, kind of like, maybe kind of like the impact that Devin White makes uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and you could have made a case for him being um, Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Uh, the way he played against the Kansas City Chiefs and so on. And, you know, I, I don't want to leave out another guy, but Buda Baker, the safety, who is yeah. all over the field, tremendous hitter and so on. But, you know, when you look at the ton of unrest potential unrestricted free agents that the Cardinals have to get back there and so on, I mean, they've got a lot of work to do. And, uh, you know, they get Watt in. And, by the way, Watt is signed with the Cardinals. He doesn't have to wait till March 17th. Any time a player is released from his contract, he can join another team immediately. You know, you know we saw it last year with Greg Olson when he left the Panthers and immediately joined the Seahawks. You know, guys like Mark Ingram are floating around out there. Uh, these salary cap cuts, uh, JT, over the next couple of weeks, that's that's really kind of the first form of free agency before we really get to the new fiscal year um, and two weeks from Wednesday. Russell Baxter joins us, NFL research historian, fan-sided NFL, full-press NFL. Russell, Russell Wilson, how does this affect him now because of the noise that you're hearing? You have tremendous sources. Now Russell Wilson's got to go up against Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt. Then he's got to go up against Aaron Donald with the Rams twice a year and Bosa and the edge rush coming off the 49ers. Now, I don't, one player is not going to make Russell Wilson more motivated, especially J.J. Watt on the back end of his career. But where do you stand here Monday on this move with Russell Wilson? Are you buying that he's going to be moved? Or do you think Pete Carroll can calm the waters here and settle this down in Seattle? 
Well, I, I think the thing that's a, a little troubling is it seems like the, this story is getting more public, you know, by the day. And, um, you know, Russell Wilson, listen, guy's never missed a game. He's taken his share of punishment. He's developed as a passer as, as time wars on, uh, uh, has worn on. I mean, we, the numbers he puts up now are amazing. Um, but he can't be a one-man show. And, you know, that history proves that throughout football. You put up these amazing passing numbers, doesn't lead, uh, lead to a lot. 55 years of the Super Bowl, JT, no, no player has ever led the league in passing yards and won the Super Bowl the same year, even in this age of throwing the football around. So he, he seems like he's kind of a one-man show on offense. The defense is not nearly what it was when it was one of the best defensive units of the last 20, 30 years early on in his career and so on. But it, it, it's the problem with Russell Wilson moving, at least I see it, is what do you give up for him? Okay, how much can you give up? Especially if there's, you know, if the Texans eventually do move on from Deshaun Watson, which would, that's another dicey situation. And so on. That's another one that seems like it's getting more public and so on. Kind of like what Alex Smith, Alex Smith had some, some, I guess some things to say recently mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, Washington, not necessarily, uh, or getting ready to move on from him or, uh, you know, it, it, it stuff the words, it, it, it put kind of the organization in a, in a shaky light. And now all of a sudden you're hearing about him not in their plans for 2021. So, uh, you know, it, it, don't you find it interesting, JT, that this move with J.J. Watt snuck up on us with the Cardinals um, while everybody else was talking about stuff and trying to put two and two together? He was taking care of business. Absolutely. That's what I absolutely. That's what I love about the NFL and the NFL offseason. And you you summed it up beautifully. We're talking to Russell Baxter about, you know, once he was released, he was free to sign. I thought he was going to go on a Reggie White tour. And to stay on that and to circle back to Watt, I thought that Watt needed to go to Green Bay. I thought that Aaron Rodgers, I really think a lot of this is going to come out here in a couple of days. Where is Aaron Rodgers? Why isn't Aaron Rodgers saying, hold on, this is exactly who we want. We need him. We were the number one seed in the NFC, and he goes to an 8-8 eight eight NFC team. I think Russell recruiting plays a big role in all this, where owners, GMs, and especially players need to speak up if they want specific players to switch teams and switch conferences and come help them win. Well, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but of course, if you're going to have that faction of owners, in fact, in the front office, people are not going to be crazy about that. Hey, you worry about playing, and I'm going to worry about building the team. I mean, we, we see that in all kinds of walks of life and all kinds of uh, occupations and so on. I think the way, the, the way it happened with DeAndre Hopkins, and it's almost impossible now to keep something very, very quiet, okay? But, uh, you know, for instance, you see some of the former Texans coming out and speaking on Deshaun Watson's uh, behalf and so on and saying he should do this and he should do that. I don't think that helps the situation any. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins played with J.J. Watt. It was, it was, it was a, maybe a one-day thing where you're trying to put two and two together and then very quietly, all of a sudden it happens and so on. So I think it's the process and the way you do it and so on. You know, being vocal these days, I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it not necessarily sits well with the people who are involved. 
Russell Baxter, the football guru, great NFL content provider for a long time. I, I reached out to you initially because I like the column you wrote about the Raiders and Gus Bradley and what he has to do. Gus Bradley, former head coach at Jacksonville, architect of the Legion of Boom in Seattle with Pete Carroll. What, what is in front of him with the Raiders? What are the Raiders and J.J. Watt? I would have loved to have seen J.J. Watt go to the Raiders, and there's Yannick Ngakwe and other players out there. But Gus Bradley brought in some coaches from the Chargers. He's looking at the Raiders, vastly underachieve on defense. How quickly can he turn it around in Las Vegas as the Raiders have a really good offense? Well, Mike Mayock um, and John Gruden made a habit out of signing free agents um, in terms of the back seven and really relying on the draft to get their defensive line in order. And I kind of like that, with the exception of Jonathan Hankins, who's one of those guys you plug him in, um, and you know he's been solid for a number of teams, the Colts, the Giants, et cetera, et cetera. He'd be a guy you, you, you'd probably want to retain and so on. But they've done it with youth, and now I think it's up to Gus Bradley, maybe get another one of those young defensive linemen and coach them up a little because if you if that part of your game is solid, you can stop the run. You can do so many other things. Um, but unfortunately, I mean, they've been trying to fix this defense. Let's be honest; they've been trying to fix this defense for more than a decade. Okay, yeah. it just never seems to get any better. I, I always bring this up. In 2016, Khalil Mack was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and they still couldn't stop anybody that year they made the playoffs and that was the year car got hurt late in the season and so on they you know they lost to houston in the playoffs but you'll remember that year he had a monster year individually but defensively as a team they couldn't stop anybody russell baxter as we wrap it up i want to leave you with one big point and an opinion on drew Brees. i think he's coming back and i heard through a source that it might not be new orleans is there any path for drew Brees? Because I think he's going to come back because Brady's coming back. He's younger than Brady. He doesn't want to go out that way. He's tweeting out workout videos on Instagram. If yeah, Drew Brees yeah. comes back, is, is it a lock It's New Orleans, or would any other team take a look at him? Does Sean Payton want him? Boy, this, this, this is a rough call, too. That's a theory yeah. I haven't really even thought about him being anywhere other uh, than New Orleans. I know in the last couple of weeks he – um, you know, did some stuff with his salary and so on and leave them with some cap room and so on. But, um, you know, where, where do you, you know, where does he go? How much longer does he want to play? Is he, he's a guy who's kind of seems like he's gotten a little tired later in the year, arm strength wise and mm. so on. I think his arm is fine, but he's also the last couple of years, as you know, not played a full season, which was always kind of his MO as well. So, you know, are you looking for a team with a one-year or a two-year wonder who think they're a quarterback away? Um, I think that's a t- that's a tough call. And listen, everything is tougher this year. Even though the cap isn't it's nearly as low as they thought it was going to be, it's it's at least 180. They thought it was going to be 175 million. It's at least 180. Could even go up more. The 17th game is going to help things out as well. But it's still affecting the, the, the big money we have seen the last couple of years. I don't know how much big money there's really going to be out there for some people. Absolutely. Good to talk to you, my friend. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always appreciate your insight on the J.J. Watt breaking news. Thank you. You got it, sir. There he is, Russell Baxter, the football guru. This J.J. Watt story, I think, is really directly a topic for Raider Nation Radio and Raider fans who are listening to us on the Raiders app in Vegas, in the Bay Area, Los Angeles, 
I'm not saying at all. I'm not indicating that the Raiders lost out on J.J. Watt. I don't know if the Raiders were in the hunt. I don't know if they were talking to him. You know, I, could, I, I don't bother Coach Gruden on that, but it'll come out. It'll come out. And J.J. Watt went to an 8-8 eight eight team that doesn't have state taxes. Raiders are an 8-8 eight eight team that doesn't have state taxes. Raiders have warm weather for those old bones of Watt. So does Arizona. Again, I think the Raiders needed J.J. Watt more than Arizona needed J.J. Watt. So I, I want to know, I want to get to the bottom of this. And you might think I've been crazy as of late. i kind of been. Like, it's the same thing with the Tiger Woods accident. I want to get to the bottom of that. That wasn't an accident. That was an horrific accident with no skid marks. No one knows anything. Everybody just kind of covered it up. It's over. It's like everybody's wearing red and, hey, we wish Tiger the best. No, 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 no. Go back to the accident. Cover that story. I did a new podcast on that with Looney. Something doesn't smell right in that Tiger Woods accident. He either completely fell asleep, something happened, but you don't do what he did on that road where little girls and boys drive on that road at 18 years old and 90-year-old women don't get into accidents. What happened to Tiger Woods? What don't we know there? So I don't know. I feel like lately I'm some conspiracy theory blogger trying to get to the bottom of all these interesting stories. Why the hell did J.J. Watt go to Arizona? Anybody know? I just gave you an hour and 20 minutes of content on it. Why did he choose Arizona over Buffalo, Green Bay, Las Vegas, and any other team that was closer to winning? Because I'll tell you one thing, Arizona might be better than the Raiders. The Raiders might be a little better than Arizona. They're both pretty even. And I think that Las Vegas is a much better spot, landing spot, for J.J. Watt than Glendale, Arizona. That's just me. And I'm on board. I'm on board with the Raiders getting better. If J.J. Watt's not the answer, let's get on to the next guy. And that's what we'll be doing here the rest of the month. We're going to try to pivot and move on a whole bunch of different topics. We have NASCAR in town this week, which I'm really excited about. I'll be at the NASCAR race. Can't wait for that. And we got a lot of news that I want to get to on how we turn around the city of Vegas with the likes of Mark Davis, Bill Foley, Chris Powell over at the racetrack, I reached out over the last week to some of the biggest names in town to get them on the radio to talk about the one-year anniversary coming up on COVID in Las Vegas and sports, the shutdown of sports, which I'm going to be covering a lot this month because I think we all are getting closer here in Vegas and maybe where you're living to getting some good news. Vaccines are going in arms. If you're vaccinated, you should be able to go right into a sporting event. Don't want to hear about this 20%, 28%, 30%. If you got a vaccine, if you got a vaccine and you're COVID-free, you should be able to buy a ticket to any sporting event you want. And I think that's the type of momentum we need than this 20% move to 25%, 30% thing. We, we got we to gotta think outside the box on this. And Vegas is going to be an important place to do it. Hey, our friend in Vegas, Tim Neverett, voice of the Dodgers coming up next and also mark anderson from the review journal later on this hour brought to you by pt's best happy hour in town five to seven mid to two head on out to pt's turner with a fly ball, the center field, it's way back at the wall, a three-run walk-off home run for Justin Turner! 
The Dodgers are up two games to none, and they are going crazy. Yes, we are a full-service sports talk show. Sorry, everybody. I talk sports, old and Polonies on the NBA. And now I get my buddy Tim Neverett, one of the voices of the Dodgers, as the Dodgers are underway to start off spring training. Tim, so good to talk to you again, and congratulations on the World Series run. How are you, my friend? Thanks, JT. Things are good, and uh, baseball's back, so that's that's the best news of the day for sure. And you work for a team that's absolutely loaded, and you study baseball, and you know baseball as good as anybody I know. It is rare. You know, world championship teams all feel that they could come back and defend their title, but the Dodgers looks to me like they got better in the offseason, especially with this rotation. Walk me through it. You know, it's interesting, too, because some of the things you're hearing from the players are that, you know, yeah, they won the World Series, but because they couldn't celebrate the way they normally would, some of them have even said they don't feel like they really want it. <laughs> but so they, they're motivated to go out and, and win the marathon season this year. So I, I, that's that was one interesting point. But, you know, the other thing is pitching. Uh, you know, you don't want to overlook the fact that David Price is rested. He's healthy after opting out last year. So you don't know what you're going to get from him. You anticipate you're going to get good, you know, good outings out of David. And then of course, Trevor Bauer, who made all kinds of news, and it looked like he was headed to the Mets. Dodgers made a final play for him. And, and I think when the Dodgers uh, made a really hard play for Garrett Cole last year and lost him to the Yankees, I think they might have been in a situation where they said, we're not going to let that happen again. And so they went out and did what they had to do to get Trevor Bauer and you know, spring training is just going to be very different this year in terms of how things are done. But as far as the way the Dodgers pitching staff goes, you know, pick your poison. Every, every night's going to be somebody very tough. And they, right now they've got seven legitimate major league starters, maybe even eight. Um, and I guess in a year where you're coming off a 60-game season, going to 162 again, you're going to need as much pitching as you can possibly get, I would think. So I'm kind of excited to see what happens this year, especially with the addition of Trevor Bauer to the to the uh, pitching staff. I mean, it's, you know, they were good already and they got better. Yeah, I want to talk more about Bauer and how he fits into the clubhouse because some people think he's a bit eccentric and a little bit different. How close was that deal to not happening or – did he just look at – he had multiple opportunities, I think. He could have signed longer term and got more years or shorter terms. It looked like it was really complex between the agent, the club, and the player. And what do you think was the key to closing that deal down and getting him in Dodger blue? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, but I think in these cases, it ultimately comes down to the player, uh, you know, and what they want to do. And he's a he's a – a, a pretty sharp guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a guy who thinks maybe, you know, some people will say, well, maybe he thinks a little differently, but he's pretty smart. And the way that he goes about his work and the, is analytical. The way that he goes about everything is analytical. And the way that he looked at it, was the Dodgers were the place for him to be. I think that if he wanted to have his best chance to win a world series, maybe he felt that was the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe he felt that the way that he would be handled by the Dodgers staff would be, uh, you know, it'd be a positive for him. I, I just think that, you know, he didn't go into this and say, well, whoever's going to throw me the most money is where I'm going to go. He, he wanted to go where he was going to get paid, but also be in the best situation possible for him and what he does. And, and as far as his clubhouse presence, you know, so far, 
that hasn't been an issue. I mean, he does have, uh, you know, a social media channel, I guess, and he's got a camera with him all the time, and the guys know it. And the guys know that, you know, Trevor is who Trevor is. And right now that hasn't been an issue whatsoever. And I think as long as he continues to strike guys out, as long as he continues to get outs and put the team in position to win, none of that stuff is going to be a, a distraction and none of it should be a bother. It's like anything else. I mean, you know, from being around the Raiders, JT, it's just win, baby. And <laughs> it's kind of going to be the way it is with Trevor Bauer. Dodgers voice Tim Nevra joins us. Tim, Justin Turner, how close did that deal come to not happening? Because, again, it took a little while there, but I looked at his numbers, and you've seen a lot of the career numbers, postseason numbers for him as a Dodger. We're talking about one of the all-time Dodger greats statistically, period. And this organization has had some of the greatest players to ever play the game. It seemed like a can't-miss to bring him back for another repeat, a chance to do it again. Yeah, I think so. And I think they were in touch with him throughout the free agent process. But I, I also think they wanted him to go through it, as did Justin. They, they both wanted to, 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 to have that experience. But I, I think when it came down to it, at the end of the day, that he was going to be a Dodger. He's, he's from here, uh, wants to be with the Dodgers, grew up a Dodger fan. And I think he'd like to finish his career with the Dodgers. Not that he's looking at this uh, two-year deal as a as a career finisher by any stretch but he's getting up there in years but he can still play and he gives them uh, another weapon at the hot corner uh, a guy who's a clubhouse leader a guy who sets the tone in the clubhouse and really a fan favorite so I, I think that he's earned all the accolades he gets he earned the right to go through free agency and you know for him it took a little longer than I think a lot of people hoped I think some of his teammates uh, long-time teammates felt, well, we're getting a little nervous here because it wasn't a signing when they thought there might be one. But I, I don't think the Dodgers were impatient. I don't think he was impatient. I think that was probably the key was let the process play out. And he ended up right where he probably thought he was going to be in the first place. Dodgers voice Tim never kind enough to join us. Tim, I think finally with the Padres and what they did with Tatis, having Machado locking up Tatis for that $300-plus million deal, their pitching staff, the money that they're throwing at that roster really makes this rivalry interesting to me. As you know, and we know the rivalry great, it's always been San Francisco and the Dodgers. And San Francisco recently won three World Series. The Dodgers got their first since 88. And I got to give credit to the Padres saying, for whatever reason, this ownership group, they're all in. They even took a shot at Bryce Harper and didn't get him, but they've loaded up. And I think they're playing 19 times if the number's right. All these games are going to feel like if we can get butts in the seats and we can get control of this pandemic and get vaccines going, it won't be as easy for Dodger fans to take over the entire Petco, which I've seen them do in the past. I think the Padres are here to stay and really give the Dodgers a run for it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And, you know, I credit the Padres, too. I think when there's a team in the division that can challenge, you know, challenge you like that, it's just going to make for better baseball. It's going to make for more intriguing matchups. It's going to make for more compelling drama. Um, you know, and, it, and you get to talk about it. I mean, I, I think um, the National League West is going, going to be a lot of fun. I mean, the Giants don't roll over. They, they might not be in the Dodgers or Padres category right now, talent-wise, they have some talent. They've got a you know an up-and-coming ball club, I think, at this point in time. But they don't roll over for anybody. Arizona doesn't roll over. The Rockies are going to struggle this year, I think. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, the 19 times that 
the Dodgers and Padres play one another, you can circle it on your calendar because they're going to be great games. And um, I do think there will be fans. How many, we don't know, but I do think there'll be fans in the stands. Just have a, a feeling that that's going to be something that even in the state of California that we will see. I think all around baseball we'll see it. And as the summer goes along, those numbers will increase. Tim Never joins us. Tim, is it the Mets? in the eastern part of the country with what they've done with that pitching staff and the way they've loaded up and added some bats. Steve Cohen, the owner of that team, really seems like he's all in to make them an instant contender. I know the Dodgers concentrate more on the West, but when you look at that East Coast team, it doesn't seem like the Cubs in the Midwest are the same team. The Cardinals with Arenado, the Cardinals will always put up a fight, as you were just talking about. But the Mets really look like they are loading up to be a perennial playoff team in the East. Yeah, I think they were tired of of not being on the back page of the papers in New York. It was always about the Yankees. So, yeah, they're good. I mean, what Steve Cohen, I think, is doing is is tremendous. He's being out front. He's being transparent. He says, look, I'm a fan, too. I want to win and is doing what it takes to win. Um, I'm I'm glad because when the Mets are better, I think it's, it's better for the National League in New York. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they've got. I, I, I think right now, you know, before you play a game, that, yeah, you have to think they're, they're one of the favorites, if not the favorite in the, in the NL East. But I like what's happened. I like the fact that you have ownership that is committed. And, and unfortunately, there's, uh, there are situations around baseball where teams are just in it for the business aspect of it, and uh, they don't go after it as hard as, say, you know, what the Mets are doing right now, what the Dodgers have been doing for the last several years and continue to do and what the Padres are now doing. It's, it's, uh, it'd be more fun. I think if more teams could go after it the way that those guys are doing. Uh, But I think baseball is going to be better this year than last. And I think once, as you mentioned before, once we get some more people in the seats and once things start to come back to some semblance of normality, as the summer goes along and into the fall, uh, I, I think this playoff, season this you know the the stretch run september the playoffs in october are going to be an absolutely great time and a and a i think we'll probably hopefully see more normal uh times and and more people in the seats and that's going to be what it's all about because the players are already noticing it even with 2400 people or 2000 people at spring training games they're they're like wow there's people here this is great because last year it was so different playing in front of those you know, flat cardboard fans mm-hmm. uh, that, that arrived early and stayed late and never moved. But, um, yeah, it, it's just, you know, I think everybody's looking forward to seeing what happens this year. But the Mets are, are going to be much improved, and, and we'll see that probably right out of the gate with that team. Absolutely. I look forward to talking to you from time to time. Tim, always appreciate having you on, and especially with the run you're going to have. A lot of games this year. Uh, all the best. Travel safe. Talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, JT. Appreciate it. Anytime you want to do it, we'll do it. Thank you, Tim. Tim Neverett, great historical voice in Las Vegas, and now a dream opportunity as voice of the Dodgers has a chance to go back-to-back as one of their broadcasters. And after Vince Scully walked away from the game in a beautiful, beautiful retirement, Charlie Steiner, Rick Monday, Tim Neverett, the guys who work the Dodger broadcast, it's a big job. And Tim Neverett with deep connections here to Vegas. When we come back, another great deep connected vegas guy mark anderson joins us every two weeks he's up next on what's going to happen in vegas going to talk about the pros of las vegas over the next couple of weeks as we're not out of covid and there's still covid protocol 
but things are starting to move. Things are starting to move, and Mark Anderson is familiar with everything happening in this town, especially this week. This is a very important week in Vegas and sports to get the global economy going. Now a lead past Carlson, and alone, backhander, he scores! William Carlson, his second of the game, wins it in overtime. His 12th career goal against his own club. Vegas wins it 3-2. How about that? I cannot believe we didn't get to that the whole show. The Wild Bill goal, the first goal, I tweeted out the photo, how to beat four at once when he dove for that goal and put it in the corner of the net and then the overtime. That's one of the best games I've ever seen him have. And that says a lot. Wild Bill's had a great career here in Vegas. And I am so excited for what the Golden Knights have going. We have a few Golden Knight guests coming up this week. Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review Journal joins us every two weeks on Monday. And we greatly appreciate his content. So, Mark, I think there's a lot happening in Vegas. And I wanted to call on you as NASCAR is going to do an event with fans and the Golden Knights are starting to bring fans into T-Mobile. I think this is the next chapter to finally get out of this pandemic eventually and talk about fans again in Vegas. Yeah, and, and all the numbers are the right way. And, you know, yesterday's numbers again, with uh, 226 new cases, which is still really low, and two days in a row, no, no deaths, which is obviously the best number. Uh, and, you know, I think, I think the more and more vaccines that get out there and the more people feel comfortable getting out in crowds again, I think you're going to see a return to normal. So maybe even sooner than a lot of people realize I'm hoping certainly by next fall that, you know, the stadiums and arenas are packed again. So, um, yeah, this is, this is big. I mean, obviously the golden Knights and mask and the speedway wanted more fans than these district are is allowing them to have, but at least it's a start. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's really important because some of the big leaders in our community that you know personally, Chris Powell at the Speedway, Bill Foley with the Golden Knights, now Mark Davis with the Aces and the Raiders, uh, Desiree, Reed Francois with UNLV. I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, what we have to do is we have to get fans in attendance and then quickly go back to the governor and ask for more fans if everything is safe. Now, if there was a super spreader event, and you were doing an indoor concert with 18,000 and a whole bunch of people got COVID, that would not help. But when it comes to sports and social distancing, I think these owners are so progressive. Once they get a certain amount of fans in, they've got to push the governor at the state level to ask for more. Is it fair to say that? No, I think it's very fair to say that, and I, I think you can do it safely. And, and you know, in, in this case, the governor was willing to give 20%. It was the health district that said 15. So, you know, it's, it was more the health district than the governor in this case. But to your point, I mean, ultimately the governor sets the, sets the bar, and he could set the bar 50% next time if he wants. I mean, I don't know if we're quite ready for that. But who knows? Maybe in three four weeks or so we might be. So, um, And then it's up to, you know, the health district to come in with their ruling after that. And I'm, I'm just – I'm hoping that everything goes well and that – there aren't any outbreaks, and, and that, that will just create momentum for, to, to bring people back. Mark Anderson, sports reporter for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, he knows this town as good as anybody. There was another event that happened over the weekend, the Canelo fight in Miami, which it was a 
god-awful fight. It was one of the worst fights mm. I've ever seen. He fought a tomato can. It was terrible, but there were people there. And I said to myself, man, if there's people there, I know it's an outdoor stadium with the canopy and all that but it seems like vegas and boxing is right around the corner with the legion stadium and obviously smaller crowds at t-mobile and i thought that was a big first step to get boxing going again in vegas with fans do you agree yeah i, I think so i mean florida's kind of a different animal too they tend yeah. to push push the envelope when it comes to the COVID, to covid so but i you know if 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 there's reports that everything went uh, smoothly there, that there weren't any kind of outbreaks, I think that should help. I know Dana White at the USC said he won't put a, an event back on unless it's, he can sell it out. Uh, so I understand that, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if his next big domestic uh, card is in Florida for that reason. Um, so, but, but yeah, it, it, it definitely helps. I think I think if the Golden Knights don't have any problems and NASCAR doesn't have any problems this weekend, then I don't see any reason why you can't have a fight at T-Mobile Arena or MGM or someplace like that and have at least a limited crowd in there. Mark Anderson joins us. I saw you tweeting a lot over the weekend about Tiger Woods and the Red and what happened in that golf tournament. Morikawa lives here in Vegas uh, near Red Rock. I, I think this is a big star in the making and for him to win at 25 a world golf championship event and a major the only other guy is tiger woods at the same age i think we could have another person very accustomed to las vegas and loving this community who has the ability to be a complete star and i think he's gearing up to potentially win the masters he was completely dialed in this weekend he was and was impressive about his performance this weekend is he could have he fell apart basically at the end of the third round Right. And and that could have lingered over to, to yesterday, and it didn't. And he got it together. I think he had an early bogey. I think the second hole yesterday, the key could have come and raveled after that. And and it, but he didn't. And he just held in there. And and he just he was just really steady. I don't think he did anything necessarily spectacular yesterday. He was just really steady, and four three one to make it run at him. And and they struggled. And but he is capable of the big top. The shot he hit to win the P, PGA last year. Uh, I can't remember which hole. I want to say 17. I can't remember which hole. It was. It was one of the. It may have been the shot of the year in the, on the PGA Tour tournament. Um, so it, it was just. It was just amazing. So he's capable of doing that. And you know, it's. It's. You know, we're always looking for the next Tiger. Somebody says to say that, but he definitely looks like a player who can be around a long time and win a lot of majors. Hey, Mark, finally, I know you wrote a column a couple of days ago about the Pac-12 tournament, the WAC. What's happening here in Vegas as we get ready for March Madness? What can you tell us about the way these tournaments are going forward with or without fans and how many big decisions are made? Because this is one of those travel events where everybody's got to come through this airport. Everyone needs hotels. Everybody's in protocol. How demanding will this be for Vegas to pull off these tournaments? Yeah, and the, the conferences are being very conservative. The only conference that hasn't announced anything is the WAC. Uh, but the other conferences said they will not have fans. Other than the Pac-12 was the only conference that said it would have uh, family members. Um, so it, it, they're they're being extremely conservative. I was on, on a Zoom call today with Nick Cronin at UCLA, and he's nervous about coming here, and he loves Las Vegas. It's, he spends a lot of time here, but it has nothing really to do with Las Vegas. It's more, I think, he, he, his I think it speaks a lot of coaches. Is they're afraid of putting their team in jeopardy, especially those teams that have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. They don't want to come go to a conference tournament, a neutral site, and have a COVID outbreak, and suddenly they they can't play in the NCAA tournament. Um, so I, yeah. I, there's there's that big concern about that, and so you're seeing at the college level at least there's a lot of a lot of cautiousness, and 
So it's, it's, it's this this March is going to look far different from previous ones. Let's just just hope this is a a one-off type deal, and next year is much more normal. Yeah, next year. I keep hearing next year, and I don't want to wait till next year. I want it to be. I want it to get going now. Mark, great to. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, TJT. I'm with you, JT. I know you are. I look forward to seeing you soon, Mark. Thanks a lot for doing this. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. You got it, Mark Anderson, the Las Vegas Review Journal. Look, if if we could end up losing two tournaments, if you're a coach and you're a part of a conference, and the conference tournament is is in Vegas, you get your ass to Vegas with your team. What is this? You're going to wait to play in the big tournament? No, no, no. You're part of a league. You're part of a league. You do what your league does. If your league is going to play in tournaments in Vegas at the Orleans or T-Mobile or whatever it is, you come with your team as you're part of a league. I mean, everybody going rogue, I don't want to play this. I'm going to opt out. I'm going to opt out. I don't want to do this. It's safe enough to do it. Now, is a team going to come for a conference tournament and get COVID in Vegas? No, not if they follow the rules. Not if they wear their mask, not if they're in that bubble, not if they're not going out drinking and partying, and there's not a lot to do here. I keep telling everybody, so many people reach out to me, my friends from college, my friends from high school, my friends from all over. What is Vegas like? What is Vegas like? I tell them the same thing. You haven't missed anything. We're about to get opened. The tours are going on at Allegiant Stadium. The airports are filling up. I was in the airport in Phoenix this weekend, and it was packed. I was with my son, and we were walking to our gate, and we turned a corner, and I looked at the gate, and there were like six gates in a row, and it was, it, it was like a concert. I said, let's just hang out over here. Let's get something to just hang out over here. I'm going to get a coffee. We'll sit over here, and then when we get closer to our you know, departure, we'll go to the gate because there was just a sea of humanity. Different states are different. But in Vegas, we got to get going. And we got some big events coming here with NASCAR this week. I'll be at the track on Friday and Saturday, uh, looking forward to the race on Sunday. I try to go every year. And we've got the Golden Knights with fans, and we're supposed to get Alex Tuck on. I reached out to the owner, Mr. Foley, to come on. Uh, Golden Knights look fantastic, and now they're going to have fans at home. And we're all one great community here. If Mr. Foley and the Golden Knights can put a couple thousand people at T-Mobile, that's going to help Mark Davis with the Aces and the Raiders. It's going to help UNLV. It's going to help everybody. We are one vibrant community here in Las Vegas. We have a tremendous sports town. It's, to me, it's a diamond in the rough. Some days I don't see it. Other days I don't hear it. But, hey, I'm really positive about the future of Vegas as a global professional sports town with everything we have from the rodeo to boxing to UFC. I mean, it's an incredible experience out here. And these casinos and nightlife and entertainment. And a lot of people need to get back to work and they need to do it safely. I take COVID very seriously. I was tested the entire year during the NFL season. I lived that life. And still now, being very careful and hoping that all your businesses can get going. And we can partner with you on the radio. As we have a bunch of new partners joining us here over the next couple of weeks that I'm thrilled about. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Thanks to our guest, Johnny Morant. Nice to talk to him. Former Raider receiver, Tim Neverett, voice of the Dodgers. Russell Baxter, the football guru. Mark Anderson and Olden Polonies. I can't do any better, man. The only thing I could have did better is got you J.J. Watt to the Raiders. I can't do any better for you. This is all I got. It's Monday. I got nine more radio shows left. So hooray for me. Thanks for listening. You miss any portion of the show? Bobby has it at lvsportsnetwork.com. Our premier Raider interviews we put on the Raiders app. And thanks for listening. We always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks, guys. Have a great day.